So you know what I was thinking about the, uh, more recently? You know, we're in our 40s now. There's some things that I've noticed in my body that I don't adapt as well as I used to. And um, yeah, I'm curious, you know, even for you, what have you noticed since coming into this perimenopausal zone mm -hmm. and then into your 40s? Yeah, so many things. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely the way everything had to change, the way I move, the way I eat, the way I fast, um, sleep making that a priority because if I don't, my body will tell me the next day, like very, very quickly, I will, I will notice. Um, weight gain that I never felt before. So of course, after having kids, your body changes, but my body kind of went back to its other form pretty quickly. But I noticed after 40, it's like all of a sudden I had these hips that I never had before. And- the Hips don't lie. Hips don't lie. <laughs> and I had to, um, just the other day, actually cleaning out the closet, I had to get rid of a lot of my um, clothes from before. And then even my waistline, just before it was just never an issue. And now I notice eating a certain way, not eating enough sometimes will trigger weight gain around there. And it's very, very quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, a few years of eating a certain way and all of a sudden you gain weight. This is like instant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and same, same for me, I've definitely noticed that I've had to work harder on areas. And there's times where I, I've been looking the mirror, like I, I've never looked at my back before, but I looked at my back and I saw like little ridges oh. just where the short line is. Mm. And so, so these conversations and more are like really- the muffin top? The muffin top, maybe just a little bit. Okay. But I've ne I never looked at my back, right? Yeah. So these conversations and more, what we're gonna dive into in this, in this mm. conversation about the body's changing, it's different than what it used to be. The recovery time, the process might need to look differently than it did 15, 10, 15 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Health Ignited podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. All right, so we, we sort of uh, opened up a can of worms around some of the changes that show up as we age. And, you know, this isn't an area that you or I necessarily have struggled with um, in the past, although I think our relationship to how our bodies are supposed to look, mm -hmm. definitely that's changed over time. Um, so why don't you talk maybe a little bit about some of your early challenges with food and, and body image, and then I'll talk about my experience and then we'll kind of go from there into what does it mean to be struggling with weight loss resistance? Yeah, yeah, I think um, I've shared before on the podcast um, that in my teen years I struggled with not so much body image, it was um, trauma, control, like all these other emotional things that changed my relationship to food. And the thing that pulled me out of that was one, making that decision that this isn't serving me anymore and it's doing more harm. But the other thing was exercise. And it became um, the thing that I needed to feel more grounded in my body because I was so in my mind. And so I really related to exercise. So I started doing these exercise videos. Um, Sugar Ray, Leonard? yes, it was the first He's a boxer. Yeah, that was the yeah. first video I ever bought huh. was his and his wife, I think then, and I would do that every morning and mm -hmm. then go for a run. So this was when I was 15, and then seeing my dad working out in the gym. So I started uh, working out with him and lifting weights, and 
that really shifted how I was seeing my body and recognized that, oh, just putting in a little bit of effort every single day, my body started to change, my digestion started to change, my relationship to food was shifting, my skin got clear, like all of this happened. So I really tuned into the fact that I need movement in order to feel good. And um, sometimes that became a crutch because I couldn't be flexible and do other things with before uh, working out. And over the years, though, that switch, especially after having kids, because I couldn't have that same routine. I couldn't go to the gym five days a week and work out for an hour. And so I really had to adjust. And that that took a bit of a toll on me, I think, from more of like a mental health perspective of like, OK, I have to shift how I'm seeing my body, because after you give birth and during birth, too, you just lose so much control. And so I really had to change. I remember looking down at myself one time being in the bath after giving birth to our second and going, whose body, who is this? Mm. I just felt so disconnected. And so, you know, fast forward, hormones are constantly changing. And everyone always said, especially between 40 and 42, there's a lot that shifts. But in my mind, I was like, well, I eat right, I exercise, I do the biohacking, I'm fasting now and all of this. And then it happened. Turned 40. I was like, oh, this is what everybody talks about. It's so subtle. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like there's, there's so much shifting very quickly at the same time. And yeah, I had to change how I was fasting, how I was moving, like the same workouts for an hour. Like that just wasn't serving me anymore. So Nor was it really possible. No, nor, nor yeah. is it possible. But also, even if it was, because, you know, I, in the beginning when yeah. we first moved here, I was going to the gym and didn't serve me, I really had to change what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So you said so much. I mean, you literally, literally fast-tracked through your life story. I did. From like 13 <laughs> to 43. Yeah, and it's interesting because the relationship you had at 13 is sort of like juxtaposed to the opposite to where you are now, where yeah. the, you were kind of wasting away and now you feel like your body's you know, more adding more curves to your to your body mm -hmm. than, than what you were used to growing up. So like, why don't we unpack that a little bit? Because, you know, even with this idea of fasting and uh, maybe not, not, I'm not saying that you were orthorexic at the time or had this body dysmorphia um, situation going on, but there was definitely, you, you, you gained something out of not eating and you related to your body in a particular kind of way. And then you talked about how you transitioned that image into one of strength, mm -hmm. of like how you got to build strength in your body. But maybe like, you're not alone. I'm sure there's a ton of men and women that went through something similar and you grabbed a hold of something that strengthened and reinforced you and not depleted you. And, and that's a very interesting transition. And that same kind of phenomenon can be happening to people as they struggle with uh, obesity or weight gain and then, and then having an image of who they are and then transitioning from that into maybe the more ideal uh, body composition. Yeah. Yeah, so even with that, it's like, what, do, what does that actually look like? Like what's ideal in our minds, right? Yeah. So we've, that's usually seen through the magazines or what we're seeing on TV and social media. And so for somebody that young trying to figure that out, and 
the the thing that I want to point out that you even brought up in a subtle way is that so there was that transition time for me into puberty, mm -hmm. and now here's my transition time, reverse puberty. Yeah, you know, leaving this um, reproductive time. So like both are so similar mm -hmm. in that we don't have a lot of control of what's going on, and what's changing is the hormones. Yeah, and then that really does trigger changes that we don't understand often and so that's where the disconnect happens and we don't know that we have to do life differently during those times mm -hmm. and i think that's for for men and for women oh yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah so i i loved how your medicine for when you were younger was was to you know watch your father exercise see that he was putting exercise and making that a commitment and a discipline to his daily life you try it on for size, you know, and, and you really enjoyed it. It really fed you. And then it fed you so much that you went so hard into it, mm -hmm. right? Talk about that too, because that's like sort of switching from one extreme to another. And, and on the surface, everything looks, you look amazing, my goodness, you know, wow, what are you doing? And yet, I remember you saying at one point, you felt like you went too far. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think we talked about this in the last episode too. It's... Um, I wouldn't say I went too far with my body, but I went too far with my mind. Yeah. I just became so rigid that every morning, so it didn't matter if I was up studying till two in the morning, I'm getting up at five because that's what I need in order for my next day to be okay. So I was so stuck and reliant on it that I couldn't be flexible. Mm -hmm. And then I got forced into that flexibility after being pregnant yeah. and giving birth. And also, you know, then we did our yoga teacher training and just understanding that you don't have to go so hard all the time to get the results. And this is something that Dr. Libby actually shared. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah, on her TED Talk, it's like she was an avid runner, but then gaining all this weight because she was under so much stress. And it wasn't until she started doing Tai Chi that the weight started to fall off. So we sometimes think, oh, here's some weight gain. So women that maybe are perimenopausal and gaining that weight around their abdominal area, maybe they're doing more HIIT workouts now or really pushing hard to lose it, but not recognizing that maybe you just need a little bit of Pilates or some Tai Chi or some stretching mm -hmm. and getting your body into more of a parasympathetic nervous system is what's going to allow your hormones to regulate, which will then allow the weight to do what it needs to do. Yeah. So, I mean, you said another really important thing that I think that's worth sort of diving into a little bit more, and that's that um, our desire to look a certain way is often just marketed to us. Mm -hmm. And so our ideal image of what, how we're supposed to look and the work we're supposed to do is constantly being blasted at us 24-7. Uh, and I think part of the challenge is that we're so deeply uh, body-centric in our vision of ourselves, we don't see ourselves as more than that. We see ourselves as just sort of like this meat suit that has to look a certain way. And you and I have talked about this before too, in that we judge other people um, based on how healthy, healthy they are, based on how they look. And you know, what is the solution here so that we can engage, you know, some of those deeper aspects that we learn about ourselves through yoga, breath work, or, you know, meditation, movement, or just moving a different way, like with Pilates versus like the HIIT workouts. Like, what are we wanting to really tap into when we start to relate to us as more than just a physical body? Yeah, I mean, before we go there, I think we should also clarify what you said in the beginning, which we haven't really touched on. Um, so with women, it's pretty obvious that we talk about our weight during hormonal changes, but mm -hmm. men don't often talk about this. So men don't often look at their back or no, I don't know. It's new or to maybe, me. Yeah. Maybe maybe um, because when I live with, when living with you, you've got that actual little mirror, like the makeup mirror. 
Which I never had before. <laughs> okay. so I never looked at my back. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there's that. Yeah. But I think there's also like the same challenges that like young women go through. Mm -hmm. um, and like for those of us going through perimenopause, yeah. men also have oh, yeah. their thing like, too that isn't talked about a lot. Like just looking yeah. at that G.I. Joe study of like if you look at the, um, the bodies of the, the, the little figurines or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Figurines, figures, right. whatever. Yeah. Superhero, whatever. They've, they've transformed over they time. They've transformed too. over time. Yeah. And then so that became like this is how you're supposed to look right. in order to be healthy. And so just curious, like, what your mm -hmm. experience is even now going through. If you, I know you don't like to label it, but, you know, there's andropause. Yeah, coming. I'm still in a little bit in denial about that right. term for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about the G.I. Joe study or just, you know, thinking back to all my figurines, they all looked the same. Like, the, the skinny arms, skinny legs, you know, they had their gear on and what have you. And, um, I don't think I really saw muscles on a an action figure till the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out. Oh. Just, and maybe there's others, uh, but that was definitely one. Um, okay, so <laughs> for me growing up, I, I was so involved in athletics. So I was always playing basketball. So for me, my, I don't know if I really related to body image other than I did want to get stronger to compete better. Um, I know I started working out in high school, prob probably around grade 10. And I did um, enjoy the fact that I could put muscle on. I, I did like that my arms could get bigger, my legs could get, you know, stronger. I could jump higher, I could run faster. Um, a lot of my early, you know, experience in my body um, really related around performance and how, how I could make it through a game or, you know, how athletic I was. And so I prided myself on that. And I have to, I must say, like, thinking back too, I, I liked having a six pack. I felt fit because of that. Now, why was that? I don't, I don't know, maybe it was because of my action figures and things like that, but I, I guess, you know, looking back, I definitely did work on maintaining uh, my physique. And actually, now you're saying it, um, I remember as a kid actually even sucking my stomach in mm -hmm. to almost like, you know, flexing, you know, when my shirt was off because I wanted to be seen as someone who had muscle. Okay, well, I'm just breaking down the theory that I <laughs> entered in this conversation with. Yeah, I guess it was important to me. And, and definitely into to college when we were, you know, performing at a higher level with basketball, working much harder in the gym. I remember, you know, after workouts, not even be able to wash my hair because like, I would literally squeeze soap onto the side of the shower. And these are dorm rooms, like it's kind of gross in there. I remember like rubbing my head against the soap because I couldn't lift my arms. Mm. We worked out so hard and it was push, 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 push. And it was really just about development and competing and, and then wanting to put on muscle. There was a phase in my life where I wanted to be big and strong and be seen that way. And, uh, and then enter into the years of dadhood. Um, you could say I let it go a little bit, you know. I got put more fat around my, my face. I didn't I didn't hit the gym as much. Um, I don't know if you ever really you love me probably no matter what. You may have made a few comments here or there. Nothing that was you know that I internalized. I don't remember saying anything. I was going through my own stuff. Or maybe <laughs> or maybe maybe I, I remember there was that one conversation like I liked you with muscles. You said no. Oh my <laughs> right? gosh! Do you really want to get into this? This was when we were in Taiwan. 
Okay. And you, there was something else. Or liked your muscles. No. I, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's let's have it out. <laughs> We've this had this conversation like five times <laughs> that you took it the wrong way. Oh, sure, I'm sure I did. But that's the whole point: is I took it the wrong way. Anyways, <laughs> why don't you share what you remember? And then, we were stretching for a kung fu class, okay. and you said something along the lines of like wanting to do more yoga or something to like. And I said, I like your muscles. I never said like duh or whatever. I was very like present time, right. trying to be like Supportive. cute with you. Right. And you, Isn't I don't know. So it's probably now that we're unpacking all of this, probably because <laughs> well, of your relationship with your body from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And the body dysmorphia, and the yeah. orthorexia. Are you are you diagnosing me right that now? That <laughs> showed up in that moment. So your yeah. story showed up in that moment. Yeah, that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. Oof. Mind is Mind blown. blown. <laughs> so interesting though. I remember there after the college years and stuff like that when you and I started dating more and we started doing more yoga and kung fu. There was a desire for me to just be more lean, more flexible, and not negate muscles, but just. I really desired a body that was more fluid and mobile, and and so, um, yeah, that that for whatever reason seemed important to me, and everything that you brought up there around what I heard and what you said and your intention versus how I received it, completely different. Because I remember we did have an argument about this at some point years later, where I would really I took what you said so deeply, like oh she doesn't like how I look, mm-hmm. and she liked it when I had. Like bigger muscles, and and maybe she felt like that was more attractive mm. than how I look now. And and if I don't inherently want that again, and yet I see that she wants that, what does that mean about a relationship? Is she going to start looking at other men and going like, well, that's a vision of attractiveness? Look what I've got to deal with. You know, yeah. isn't it funny all the conversations? That, well, because that that's up. important. So you were having that dialogue in your mind, yeah. and imagine like the dialogues that's going on in my mind as my body's changing through pregnancy, and yeah. there was. I remember But this is all before pregnancy, though. Because that was right. Like, yeah. Oh, right? Okay. Well, no, because we got back and then we were pregnant within a year. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. So mm. it was similar timelines. Okay. Thank yeah. you. For I mean, we all have. Our, I mean, the thing is, we all have our story, right? Yeah. I remember this one time we were when we were in Hawaii and hiking, and I was pregnant, and all you could see was the back of me. You were like, "Oh, there's my wife," when you couldn't see that oh. I was like pregnant. Oh, we're, so we're bringing up like some. We moves. are. Yeah. Which I mean, it's fine because like I knew my body was changing at that time, and yeah. so my relationship to it had to shift. So this is, I mean, this is why how, it's important. How did that feel for you? Oh, I was in my mind. I'm like, of of course, my like. You can't see my pregnant belly from the back. Okay, <laughs> like, so you didn't you didn't take that in. No, because I knew my body was changing. So, mm. but I, I just think this important conversation because we all have like that story going on, and now all of a sudden we're in like perimenopause, andropause, both are going through their different challenges and changes within their body. You know, women are becoming, and probably men too. You can speak to this more insulin resistant. Yeah, as our estrogen is falling. So there's just more opportunity to gain weight with if we're eating the same as before, if we're moving the same as before. So there's all this change that's happening in our body, and at the same time, we're having that story play out of like how we're supposed to look or how we used to look, and then we're grieving the body that we had before. And then our partners are going through the same scenario, but just in their own way. And this triggers possibly from like 
those initial years that when we first came into our bodies and started to recognize changes, those same triggers can show up in this transition phase as well. So I think it's important to have those conversations. Yeah, definitely. So when I became a dad, um, there's just there's less time to exercise. And we prioritize the kids over everything. Mm -hmm. So it's not a surprise why people's you know, physique changes drastically because there's a different priority, there's a different you know, time management factor. Like, it, it's so interesting that we can have our schedule laid out in such a way and then kids come, and it's, it's so hard to migrate some version of where we were in our past into the present when, when there's time constraints and different things. So, and, and I know for, for um, I mean, obviously I'm speaking for myself, but I know that because we see a lot of male patients that go through some sort of version of that. Now, it doesn't even have to be kids that enter in that, that is the disruption, but something enters in as disruption that takes precedence. And what I found interesting for myself is I stopped seeing myself as an athlete. And, and the moment I started to do that, I started to see where aches and pains would come up, fatigue, um, saying, well, I don't do that because I'm not an athlete or whatever. There's dialogue that happens inside my head. I'm a dad now. This is, you know, and it kind of creeps in subtly and then it starts to take over. And, and what I've been doing more recently is actually say, no, I am an athlete. I still am. My, my, my muscle has a memory of being an athlete. Now, do I need to be an athlete and so, so I can look a certain way? That, that part has definitely changed. I want to all the same things you do. I want to feel more flexible, like I, I don't have aches and pains, I, I have desire for movement, I can keep up with the kids, I can you know, go on runs and I can do all these things and I feel the reward in doing that. And so I've started to see myself as an athlete again because an athlete is someone who can do all these things. But when we see ourselves as inside our little box, I've got this career, I've got, you know, I'm, I've got these kids, I've got these responsibilities, thing, you know, we start to see ourselves as that, and we, I think we get weighed down in that experience so that we can't tap into all these other things that are still a part of us, mm -hmm. but we've denied. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's important um, to recognize that your body is changing, mm -hmm. your hormones are shifting, and how you responded before as an athlete is going to be different. So yeah. there has to be some level of flexibility in the mind to be like, okay, I need to adjust. And it doesn't mean I can't have the same outcome, because we know that our physiological age can be of that 20 year old. It's our chronological age that's shifting and recognizing that, okay, your testosterone is going down for men and for women. Mm -hmm. So I need to work a little bit harder. I need to implement things in my day to day, whether that's intermittent fasting or making sure I'm taking the right supplements or eating a certain type of way that's going to support that rise in testosterone. So I think the more awareness we have of the changes that are coming, then we can navigate our lifestyle according to that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I heard on Dr. Huberman's podcast, he was talking to another doctor, and they're kind of like, yeah, when you're in your 20s, you can like eat the McDonald's, have the burgers, have the fried foods and whatnot, and, and the hormone is still there to take that food information and mm -hmm. still build muscle. Yeah. But, but we do have to do it differently. You can't eat the same way. You can't move the same way. You can't you know, um, decompress the same way. Like decompressing might have been like going out and partying or whatever, like as in your 20s, where now it's like, 
being really diligent with bedtime and routine and you know getting outside mm-hmm. and, and doing those other things that that actually really support suspend and delay the the declining uh, hormonal mm-hmm. expression so what are your top like three to five things that you think all men should do when they come close to 40 yeah fast for sure I mean mm-hmm. you saw me when I started to fast uh, my body transformed in such an incredible way. I responded really, really quickly, but also from the mind. I, I had way more energy. I felt more productive. Um, I felt like I, I had ownership over my body as opposed to my body being in a certain experience of deterioration. Um, so th- for sure that. Uh, we got to find some time for movement. Like that's a for sure thing. Um, so, and then I would, I would tie obviously nutrition into the fasting, into the movement. But the other thing that I think is really key that I think a lot of men miss out on is really self-reflection and taking time to get to know yourself, right? So that could be journaling or spending time in meditation or, or challenging the thoughts that are coming up in your mind as one of those things, because so much of what happens in life is a result of the way we think about ourselves. And as men, like that story can change, we can change, we can adapt. But if we're not engaged in that process, I think this is where a lot of that midlife crisis comes in. You know, a lot of men, you know, hit this sort of stage and we look outside. Mm. Go, my wife is a problem, my kids are the problem, my job is a problem. You know, everything else is the problem. And we have, we got to turn that light inwards and go, okay, what are the little things that I can take control of mm-hmm. on a daily basis? So I'd say those three years would be the huge, uh, huge ones for men. What about for women? Yeah, I would say similar. Um, for number one for me would be the self-inquiry of like getting to know like where you're at, where you were, and where you want to go. So testing, like doing your Dutch test, looking at your cycle, looking how, how your hormones are shifting and changing, so then you can adjust your workouts accordingly. You can have you know those hit workouts in the beginning part of your cycle and then go a little bit softer afterwards. Um, fasting but then adjusting how Mm -hmm. you're fasting because of that insulin resistance that shows up so estrogen goes down our ability to control insulin goes down and then there's just more blood sugar our um, risk of cardiovascular events goes up by 50 percent with that lower estrogen so there's so much that's happening so if we know what those risk factors are we know then how to navigate them according to how we're fasting what we're eating and how we're moving Mm -hmm. yeah i love that so we're, you know, we kind of open up a conversation a little bit, which I think enters into the mind a little bit more. Um, and you said, let's, let's pause that for later. So much of uh, part of our challenge in the mind is how deeply we relate to our physical body mm-hmm. and reference everything in relation to that. So like I said, you can look at someone and go, that person's healthy, that person's not. Why do we get so fixated and stuck here? And... Like, is the you know, is it a dialogue that's important to, to relate to? Yeah, I think it goes back to um, what the conditioning is. So depending on what was modeled for us growing up, um, I mean, coming from an Indian background, they are very vocal about the changes that happen in your body. Oh, you're too skinny now. Oh, you gained too much weight now. Oh, there's like there's there's never this like you are perfect as you are. Yeah. And you know, I mean, if you see someone going down an unhealthy path, you can make suggestions, mm-hmm. but um, it's often just like, it's, it's what, the way you so are isn't good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think like understanding your conditioning is important because then that does come up in these transition times. 
So if you relate to your body a certain way and without that your identity crumbles, then it's like, well, how do I self-inquire so that I can create the identity that actually serves me and know myself more deeply so that I'm not controlled by the conditioning of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a TikTok video that was going around. This doctor was talking about um, how women shouldn't have six packs because we need, we need a little bit of that um, extra weight or that extra fat to create our hormones. So the less fat that we have, the harder it is for our hormones to produce themselves and especially in perimenopause in that transition time mm-hmm. when it's already a little bit more difficult for our body to produce these hormones, we're putting more stress on the body. So understanding that, you know, it's changed so much culturally what health looks like. So we were in Spain mm-hmm. this last summer and there was a um, sculpture of, um, oh, one of the goddesses. Was it Athena? No. Aphrodite? Aphrodite. Yeah. And so she's considered like the goddess of beauty. beauty yeah. But in that sculpture, she had rolls because she was crouched down. She had hips, like she had a figure, mm-hmm. but that is not what beauty is defined as today. So mm-hmm. I think really assessing like, how am I defining beauty? Mm-hmm. And how am I, so is that how I feel inside or is it how I look on the outside? Yeah. Because I can feel very different. For sure. Here, here's another thing that I've been sort of playing around with and I haven't quite got all my thoughts together on this, but there's this, um, uh, I know Marissa Peer talks about this, uh, there's a lot of dialogue around this in, in the sort of self-help world where uh, I am enough and I am worthy and all of these things. And I see that on the, a deep soul level, you know, where your reflection, you know, if you're religious, your reflection of God's image, that kind of thing, um, your, you know, spirit having a physical experience, you are you know, um, embodiment of your consciousness, what have you. There's lots of different ways to relate to uh, worthiness. So I, I see it on like a very, you know, transpersonal or beyond that sort of physical body kind of point of view that we are worthy because if we really got in tune with our essence, our soul, our, you know, our spirit, got to know ourselves through, you know, looking at the thoughts that we think about ourselves, yes. And where we are today is not even close to where we could be as far as potential goes physically emotionally relationally where we are as parents we can always make improvements we could always be better and so my challenge is really um around this dialogue of where we move into complacency and everything's fine i'm worthy i'm okay like there's nothing i need to do i don't need to be anyone else which i agree with and yet i don't want to get stuck there because I know there's so much more available for me in my physical body, how I can move my body, the things I can learn. There's so much I have yet to discover. And I'm still worthy and I'm still enough and all those things. So I don't, I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts on, on that Yeah, dialogue. I agree with that. And I also, I think the reason why there's so much talk around I am enough, that's a big one that I say, yeah. um, is because what we see and what we're told is that there's something wrong with you always Mm -hmm. that you need to be fixed so i don't think we need to be fixed i think we need to have a deeper understanding so we can reach that potential because if you're feeling like you have to be fixed all the time and then the environment isn't safe to actually feel like you can make changes because of your old patterns your beliefs or whatever is holding you back then you you can't see your potential so unless, uh, until you know that you matter and that you can have that capacity to shift things in your life and even while you're doing that, 
that where you are is where you are in this present moment, but you can make steps, take steps forward to get to that state of potential. Because I think the conditioning is that there's always something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And then the beliefs that we bring into our different roles, whether that's, I'll talk about like motherhood, just always not feeling like you're good enough in what you're doing. So until we actually feel like how we're showing up is how we're showing up because that's, that's all we know and we can learn. But keeping that door open for learning so that you can have more potential. But I don't think having a mantra of like, I'm not enough, so now I'm going to improve myself. I think that's a very like patriarchal, masculine way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the, the other thing that I think is important is that um, we can often postpone our greatness, our improvement for some future time that never comes. I know that one day everything will be better. You know, it's almost like we're in the same kind of problem where, you know, I'm okay with who I am right now and I know one day it's going to get better. But then the the gap is where, well, what are we willing to do to get towards that? Because if we wake up tomorrow and tomorrow is exactly the same, we showed up exactly the same as we did yesterday, technically we're not really making progress. We just keep postponing that future date. Right. Yeah, no, I think growth is important in every moment. So that's where like the daily rituals and daily habits and all the yeah. things that we can do to help support that ability to be our best selves and how that's defined by by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the opportunity is that sometimes we look at that our future potential, whatever that is. Like that could be a career, it could be, you know, the way that your physical body looks, whatever. Like there could be some sort of future event. But I think we forget about all the little things that we need to tidy up in our lives. You know, how we communicate to our partner. Like, I'm not perfect, obviously. Um, Or like as a parent or, you know, how we're taking care of the household. There's so many little things that we can work on. And I think when we keep putting an emphasis on I'm not enough uh, or, or I am enough, are we, okay, let's, let's acknowledge maybe both of those scenarios, but are we also willing to take care of the little things in life that we know are definitely not working, that can maybe not move us very obviously towards that future potential that, that seems like, okay, if I do this, that's going to get me there. It's not really about that, I think. I think it's really like, can I start to tidy up these little things in my life so that I can make you know, progress with all of that together to, be, to, be mm-hmm. f- to so, fulfill some sort of potential? Okay, so relate that back to everything we've been talking about. Like with the, the body image, the insulin and weight resistance, and the transition into perimenopause and menopause, or yeah. andropause. Well, I, I think like, you know, this is why I want to have this conversation about just relating to ourselves as a physical body. Because what we see on the surface going from like the teenage years into our 20s into our 40s is this change that's happening in the physical body, right? And that's why I want to bring in the dialogue around the, the, the mental emotional body as well, because there's so much transition because life's circumstances, responsibility changes. And so the way that we think about ourselves now is different than the way we think about ourselves in the past. And for any of us to make significant improvements in our life, it's these little baby steps, these little things we can do on a daily basis that are going to have a tremendous impact on how our hormones are expressing over our life. Mm-hmm. So. That's how we tie it together. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add some pieces to that? Yeah, no, I think that's important for everyone to reflect on is like um, what we believe our body is supposed to be like will influence how smooth our transition is when change is happening with our hormones and perimenopause 
an andropause. So if we can start reflecting on that, like what are my beliefs around my body? What is it? Where am I feeling frustrated? Where am I feeling like, feeling like I'm losing control? And what can I do in my like daily living to understand that more deeply so I can make the right choices moving forward? Yeah. And then another big one in, in conjunction with that, what am I not seeing? Like, or what have I postponed? Or what am I not wanting to look at? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think those are all things too, you know? Um, that if we were to pay attention to those things, those like you're really good at, you know, tapping in the shadow. If you're really good at highlighting what's not working, I think sometimes we're afraid to look at what's not working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. maybe that like habit of eating at nine o'clock at night isn't working, but it's become such a habit that it's hard to let that go. Or maybe that the way you've been working out, it's been the thing that served you in the past, but it's hard to let it go. So just really tapping into like what. Where am I feeling like I was speaking to my rigidity before? Like, yeah. where am I feeling rigid and where can I create more room for change? Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. We should end it there because you're going to bring up more topics. No, no, I, I'm, I'm done. I can okay, see you're you checking the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as you can see, there's a ton of different conversations that can come up around the changes that happen to our hormonal system over time and just the way that our physical body feels, looks, adapts, responds to life's ongoing stressors. Yeah, so it's so important to self-reflect and understand and have support in understanding what is happening, how your hormones are changing, and how your lifestyle needs to change accordingly. Yeah, so we want to invite you into our masterclass program called the Metabolic Upgrade. And this is where we're teaching people how to fast, how to get control of their metabolic function, what's a mitochondria, what does it mean to make more energy in your body, to have energy to heal? Right. Mm-hmm. And especially that insulin resistance piece that we spoke about and we really want to tap into that and understand like what is happening with my blood sugar levels and that weight gain around the abdominal area and all those things that we feel like we can't control. Yeah, so weight loss resistance doesn't have to be your reality, it doesn't have to be anyone's reality. When we start to really understand our hormonal system, what our body needs to do in order to metabolically become more flexible, this is a huge part of this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so join us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe. 